Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today, that you have chosen to worship with us. As we begin our worship service this morning, I wanted to do something that I do with our youth pretty regularly. Uh, we are going to open up our service with a brief time of silence. We live in a world where things are so busy and things are so rushed that we rarely have any time for silence at all. Silence can bring us closer with God. Meditation can bring us closer with God. So as we begin our service this morning, we are gonna sit for just a moment in silence, and then I will have a word of prayer, and we will begin our worship following that. Join me as we meditate and pray this morning. Oh God, we are a people who are so busy. We live lives that are so fast paced. And God, because of this, we often overlook your presence in our lives. As we gather here together this morning, may we open up our minds and our hearts and our ears that we may listen, that we may feel your presence and your voice in this place this morning. May we be accepting, may we be open to hear what you would have to say to us today. Be with us now and may everything we say and do in this time be uplifting and honoring for you and for your kingdom. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Our hymn is number 295, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, 295. If you're able, please stand and join and sing. tell them how proud I am of you and Will today? Oh, hey, Georgia. I want to tell you that Wyatt and Will came this morning to the big Sunday school class, first graders through fifth graders, and let me have your microphone. And they had a microphone, and they sang, Jesus Loves Me. 
to all the kids in the classroom. It was wonderful, wasn't it, Will? You have to hide behind my back so you could sing. All right, can you sit right there next to Rylan? Thank you. Okay. All right, let me pull this over here so you can see it a little better. All right, our story today is about someone who was at some time this size. Look at here, who is that? Um, Will. That's Will. I think he was a little boy then, wasn't he? He's growing. But our story today is about a little boy. Wyatt, do you see yourself? Yeah, figured. His name is Samuel. And Samuel looks sort of like we did when we were little. No, he doesn't. Maybe he'll grow up to be a bigger boy. But I want to tell you what happened to Samuel one night. Samuel went to bed. Look here at Samuel. Georgia, can you see Samuel? He doesn't even have a fancy bed like we do. He just has a cot. And he went to bed and he heard somebody say, Samuel, Samuel. And he woke up and he went into the priest's room and his name was Eli. And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back. So we went back again and he said, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up again. Went back to see Eli, and Eli said, I didn't call you, Samuel, but next time you need to say, I'm listening, God, because somebody else is trying to talk to you. When you don't feel good sometimes when you go to bed, do you ever go to sleep and call out for mom and dad? You don't ever do that? I bet you do. And you say, Mom, come quick, or Dad, come here. But God was calling Samuel and Samuel took time to listen. See, he sits in his bed and he's listening to, to God. What we need to know is that God calls us and we need to stop and we need to listen. Because as we grow up, we'll learn to listen more and more. And in order to be good and to be listeners, sometimes we have to be quiet. Just like Alan said right before we started church, that we need to sit and be quiet. And when we're quiet, we can hear God talking to us. So as we've talked about before, we talk to God and we pray to God, but then we have to be really quiet because one day he may call us and say, Wyatt, are you listening? You are, aren't you? And then we'll listen and see what God tells us to do. Can we do that? I wish those of you that are in the last week of school the best week ever, because I know all the testing's done and we're gonna have a good time, aren't we? Vacation Bible School is on the horizon, game's on, so be there, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you as adults, we still are learning to be still and listen. As children, we need to take time to teach them to listen because God, you are our leader and our friend. Protect our children, protect their families, keep us safe. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Ellen. I want to draw your attention once again to those tabs that Alan mentioned earlier in your bulletin. There's also something we don't mention every Sunday, but it's good to remind everyone of, of what's on those tabs from time to time. And there's prayer concern. There's a section for prayer concerns on those tabs. And if you have a prayer concern this morning that uh, maybe this isn't the Wednesday night Bible study time and you raise your hand and tell us a prayer concern, but if you have one that you would like the church family or just the staff to be mindful of and be, be in prayer about with you, uh, jot that down and put that in the offering plate as it comes by a little later in the service. We, we are, again, glad that each of you are here today. And we do have many in our church that need our prayers at this time. Dave Gordon is at home after heart surgery uh, this last week in Gastonia, and we are grateful for this. So we praise the Lord for that. Ruth Pace is home after some uh, time there in the Shelby Hospital. 
Tom Poston is at Peak Resources, and we want to be in prayer for him. He is here faithfully every Wednesday and every Sunday and uh, with Lydia and Bill and, and, and family. And so we want to just be in prayer for Tom. We, just, we praise the Lord for him and ask for God's uh, touch on him. For Reed, Reed is at hospice. He went there this week. Irene was a little under the weather, and uh, in order to help herself, and for Reed to get the care he needs, he spent a few nights at hospice and he had a difficult day yesterday. So he may be staying a little longer than expected. So I just wanna mention that to be in prayer for Reed and for Irene. We continue to remember Jane Surratt and Joel Dobbins. Uh, be mindful of them as they begin treatment soon. And then please be in prayer as Alan and Ellen mentioned, our, our vacation Bible school starts this next Sunday and this is always a fun time. A uh, busy time for the workers as well, but just a great time for the kids to learn about God's love and just pray that that takes place more than anything and more than any whatever theme we have. The theme is sports this year, which is a great theme, but uh, just pray that the kids learn about God's love and that how much uh, he loves them and, and what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is our goal uh, as we move into this week of Bible school. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we are grateful for the way that you call out to us. And you do that in many different ways, but you do it so often when we are, again, still, when we are quiet, when we are open to allow you to speak to our hearts, when these distractions can be uh, put to the side, and Father, we can focus on you. And so, Lord, today, that is our desire as we meet with you today, that, Lord, that we would focus on you, that we would exalt you, and that, Lord, as we do that, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I, I pray this morning that you would eat, meet each one here today at the point of their need. We come today, many with health concerns, others with relational concerns, others with some things that have taken place this last week that we simply need some good news today. And Father, I pray that as we look to your word and as we sing songs to you, that everything we do would point to you. And that Father, as, as we look to you, Father, you would encourage us, you would challenge us, your spirit would convict us, and that we will leave here having met with you. We lift up these whose names we've mentioned. Lord, you know each one. For those recovering, whether at home or in the hospital, we pray for your healing touch on their lives. We pray for um, these who are upcoming for Jane and Joel, who will begin some treatment soon. We ask for your healing mercies on their lives and also strength for their families as they go through this new journey together. Father, we thank you for our church. We thank you for what it means to so many in our, in not only who have fellowship here, but also those within our community who are touched by the ministry of Bowling Springs Baptist Church. Father, we pray for Vacation Bible School for every worker, every child. We pray that your name would be exalted through song, through fellowship, through Bible study, and that, Lord, you would draw children into a relationship with you. God, we love you. And um, Father, we, again, seek to exalt you this morning. Father, bless every song, prayer, your word as it is read and preached today. Bless Rhonda as she shares, and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Number 482 is our hymn, Here I Am, Lord, 482. If you're able, please stand and join in singing.
given to the Lord, the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 29, 2. Worship me and I will fill your life with glorious riches. The world tells that riches are money, cars, clothes, and jewelry. The world says, grab them, hold on, store up your treasures for yourself. But my riches are far better riches. Joy, love, peace. And instead of storing them up only for yourself, I want you to share them. When you share my riches, they multiply so that you and those around you are richer than ever before. How can you get my riches? Worship me. Come to me in the quietness of the morning. Praise me for the beauty of a new day. Sing to me of my holiness. Open your heart to me and let me flood your soul with my riches. Lord, today we give back to you. Use us and use our riches as only you know how. Use them in our community and in our world to help those who need you most. As a young lady posted on the food closet door this week, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, church, for sharing. Take this offering and use it as only you know how. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Last night I lay asleeping, there came a dream so fair. I stood in old Jerusalem beside the temple there. I heard the children singing, and ever as they sang, methought the voice of angels from heaven answering.
Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Cheryl. I would invite you to follow along with me, either in your own Bible or on the words on the screen. I will be reading from the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had, had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord God called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord.
God, we are grateful that, we, that when we observe the fact that you are working all around us, we simply can't help but singing. Remind us that you are at work in us and around us. Call out to us this morning and meet us at the point of our need. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you see me if I stand down here? That was, that was a joke. You can laugh. Uh, maybe a bad joke, but so if you can still see me, if I stand down here, I'm going to do that for just a few moments before Rhonda comes and shares with us this morning. J.B. Case was a tall, well-dressed man at my home church in First Baptist East Flat Rock. But more than his height and his nice clothes was what stuck, sticks out was his eternal supply of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit gum. Happened to go by the kangaroo last night and um, they still carry it. It doesn't look the same. I think you have to find the original Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Gum package, maybe somewhere like Cracker Barrel or somewhere like that. But um, I've got a few packs here and a few sticks for any kids or youth or just anybody that wants a piece of gum, you can see me afterwards and I'll be glad to give you one. But uh, every Sunday that I can remember from my preschool days, I don't think he gave it to me when I was a baby. I hope not. But he was the only male presence in the nursery, first of all. That's one of the things that sticks out. He was there consistently every Sunday in the Sunday school, uh, was the only male presence there in the nursery. But in my preschool days and children days, one of the things that sticks out in my mind, he would always be there handing me a piece of that Wrigley's Juicy Fruit gum. And... Um, uh, I, I, it just, it, it's, it, it sticks out. Other individuals who played a role in helping me hear from the Lord. J.B. Case did that when I was young. Uh, Colette Levi was the uh, children's choir teacher at my home church. Redheaded uh, Colette Levi had a little, little spunk, a little, feist in, a little, little feisty spirit about her. And uh, I, I don't know if you believe this, but I liked to talk a lot when I was a kid. And I would often get in trouble in choir. So when I see Colette and I visit my home church, we always have some good laughs and, and some good times uh, talking about that. Two other people from my childhood was a lady named Thelma Allen and uh, a lady named Ruby Hood that I remember as uh, child Sunday school teachers. And when I was... When I went back to my home church to serve as youth minister, I was able to talk Ruby Hood, who was in her early 70s, into once again teaching children Sunday school. I say talk her into. Hopefully she felt led to do that. That's a more spiritual way of saying that, isn't it? Um, but uh, as my years at my home church continued, another formative voice in my life was someone who you met just a few weeks ago, Raymond Smith. And um, as I grew and as I had leadership opportunities as a youth, uh, Raymond wasn't handing out sticks of gum, but he was handing out opportunities. He was heading out some, he was giving me some guidance and giving me some direction, not in sticks of gum, but in leadership opportunities and through Bible studies and through mission and ministry opportunities. And during my senior year of high school, I began to explore and write and apply to certain, uh, to certain colleges. And one that stayed near the top of the list and would later become my college would be Gardner-Webb University. And it was there that other voices began to and continue to speak to me about God's working in my life. God is always at work in our lives. Some of those voices were Dr. Alice Cullinan and Dr. Bob Lamb and the late Dr. Jack Partain. And there were other voices that played a significant role in helping me hear from the Lord and what the Lord may be speaking to me about my future. I continued to grow and hear God through Garden Web and, and the opportunities that I had there, not only from my professors, but also through international mission opportunities that I had while I was at Garden Web. Uh, also through Focus, Fellowship, uh, Fellowship of Christians United in Service. I can still remember that. But uh, as a Focus leader throughout my years at Garden Web, but then as a Focus coordinator my senior year, and various ministry opportunities that I was afforded through that ministry. Another way of, of helping me frame my calling as a minister and my, uh, where God's path was forming me was uh, just recently, there was something that helped me put, the, the right, put that in the right words, if you will. Choose some, I've always explained it in, in uh, similar ways throughout the years and my testimony for the last 20 or so years, but about a year ago, I was at a seminar. Uh, they were leading the uh, Growing Young Study, which many, some of you participated in back in January of this year. And in that book, they referenced a man named Stretch. I can identify with that name, as you might imagine, would be called that from time to time. 
And uh, Stretch was a young man who was given some leadership opportunities in high school. And through that, he obtained a key to the church. And the chapter when, in this seminar was on keychain leadership and giving our young people opportunities to lead at church, even at a young age. And so Stretch uh, thrived in this role. He loved it. And only until really about a year ago, um, I, I would define or explain my call in some different ways, all ending at the same place. But the words that they were using in the book and that Stretch used to explain his calling, I can identify with. It was as if the Lord said to him, you like it here, don't you? And of course, Stretch said yes. And it was the voice that he began to hear saying, well, you need to get comfortable here because you're going to be here a while. And when I read those words and I heard those words in the seminar and I've read them over and over again since then, I can identify with that. I feel like I began to hear that voice. I heard it in those nursery years with J.B. Case. I heard it with Raymond in youth ministry. I heard it throughout my life and it was in college that it was confirmed that you need to get comfortable here. I want to use you here. And God began to speak and God began to show me and reveal to me his plan for my life. Today I'm grateful for all of the people. These names that I've mentioned aren't just names, they're important people in my life that have helped me to hear God's call. In today's text that Ellen referred to and that Alan read, you hear of a young boy named Samuel, who there was somebody in that story that helped him hear and helped him discern God's call. And that man was the old priest named Eli. Almost every time that I have heard a minister speak of God's call, I've heard it in the sense of he, he, he called, he's, you know, called someone who's called to ministry, someone who's called to missions or to music or to youth ministry. But God's calling takes place in different ways. And one of the things that's important, Alan and I, I talked to Ellen about today's sermon and, and Alan may have just felt led to say the words he did and, and, and introduce the service the way he did about taking time to listen. But listening is so important. And when we talk about God's call, we can't do that. We can't talk about God's call without talking about the importance and the power of listening. But it is hard, like Alan said, we don't take time to sit and to be still. Let me ask you a question. I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. One is, has anyone ever told you, and don't raise your hand, has anyone ever told you that you're not a good listener? I can raise my hand and confess, uh, you don't have to raise yours. But let me ask it another way. If you were to be given a dollar for every time you were told you weren't listening, could you buy a nice meal or a new truck? <laughs> I like to think of it that way. God calls out to us and he's doing that all the time. God is at work and we're gonna be talking about how God is at work in our lives over the next several weeks. But God is at work in us, in you right now. And he's at work all around us. And are we listening? So when, the, when he speaks, we can respond and we can respond uh, in obedience and with obedience to him. This morning, the testimony that you're about to hear from Rhonda Hamrick will remind you that God's call can and does extend to any vocation. Again, God is at work. As children of God, I believe we should always be listening and responding to God's call, and this can come in many different ways. Rhonda Hamrick is married to Dale. They have two daughters, Allison and Caitlin. Uh, and um, there was a new addition to the family recently with Allison and John Michael with little uh, Cooper. And uh, I'm gonna invite Rhonda to come and, and to share with us uh, this morning. And, and Rhonda, you do that. And um, uh, you come and share about listening and responding to God's call. Thank you for doing this, Rhonda. Good morning. Um, when Keith called and asked about me giving my testimony about my calling as a teacher, I was hesitant, as always, when someone asked me to speak in church. I can probably count the number of times on one hand I've stood before this congregation on youth Sundays after casual trips, and that's because they said I had to, when I was baptized by Buddy Corbin and the baby dedication and baptism for my girls, and so that's about it. As I listened to Keith, I felt a bit of panic, but then a peace came over me and I heard myself say, Okay, I'll do it. And I'm thinking that Keith was as surprised by my answer as I was, but it felt right, so here it goes. 
Throughout my childhood, I was surrounded by family and friends who were educators. These folks had a great deal of influence in my, informing my opinions about education and encouraging my call to teach. And there were so many. Dot Peeler, Faye Burton, Glenda O'Shields, Francis Kaiser, Ellen Powell. And when I was young, people would ask what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I would always respond, a teacher. I attended Appalachian State and Gardner-Webb University. Those are the same colleges my daddy attended while he was pursuing his education degree. My dad and my mom were a huge influence on my desire to teach. God also blessed me by putting dedica dedicated educators in my path. I began my education career as a teacher assistant. I think the Lord knew that I needed a little bit more time before I had a classroom of my own. And I was fortunate enough to spend half a year working as a teacher assistant with our Sonia Jones. ASU prepared me well to teach, but I learned the real stuff from Ms. Jones, and that carried me through my first years of teaching. From Sonia, I learned that I needed to be an expert in my field. I learned compassion. I learned to push the kids and expect nothing but their best. I watched Sonia do this effortlessly, and the kids flourished under this master teacher. Then I spent the second part of that school year working as a teacher assistant at Jefferson Elementary for a longtime family friend, Faye Burton was the principal. Faye was another educator who I highly respected for years, and she encouraged my calling as a teacher. Faye was very instrumental in getting a job for me as a first grade teacher. And thus my teaching career began at James Love as a first grade teacher. And many of those dedicated teachers that I worked with continued to show me what it meant to be a teacher. And at that time, teaching jobs were very hard to come by. Faye had faith in me when others didn't. You, you hear this squeaky voice. I would sit down with principals and they would think, mm, I don't think so. I'm not sure she can control a class. And so for all these years, I've been striving to teach just to live up to her potential. Um, had an assistant principal one time call it like you're teaching like your hair's on fire. So I just have always felt that call and want to do what I need to do for children. But all this time, God was in control of my path and it was being laid before me. During my years as an educator, I've taught my kids to know their worth, to know their manners, and to know to respect themselves and others. I wanted them to know their potential, and above all else, to know that they were special. I instilled in my students to be somebody. I've taught all kinds of kids, those that seemed to have left their mother's womb as readers, those that had never had a mother to read to them, those that were stubborn, those that were shy, those that were neglected, those that were just a tad bit spoiled, and those that were happy and well-rounded. But what I found was a common thread in the children that I taught was that they all wanted to learn. And I wanted to be the best teacher I could for each one of those kids. One of my teaching mottos that's best summarized in a quote by Lola May, know your stuff, know whom you are stuffing, and stuff them elegantly. But I was also taught a lot as a teacher. I was taught perseverance and pride, patience and humility. I was taught sorrow and sympathy and empathy. And I also found as each new teaching year began that I became part of my students' families. I'm sure either good or bad, I was probably the topic at many supper tables. I was famous for giving out my phone number and telling parents, call me and I can fuss at your kid over the phone. And the line between school and home was a very thin one. I wanted parents to know that I cared about their child and that I expected a great deal from them. But above all else, I cared about their little person. And then speaking of the family connection, one year while I was at James Love proved to be a very traumatic one. Not realizing there was conflict going on, one of my first graders was checked out of school early by his dad. And this dad proceeded to take this child and his three-year-old sister out of the state for two weeks, not telling his mother, their mother or the grandparents their whereabouts. This was a scary time. And then the dad returned home and we just thought all was well. But nope, a week later, 
The dad went to the health department where his wife worked, and he took her life. And at that point, I became like family to little Omar and his grandparents. At that point, I was the constant for Omar, and I learned quickly that there was a whole lot more to teaching than the four walls of the classroom. And Jesus was with me, because there's no way in the world I would have made it through that time with that family and that tragedy without Jesus. I continued to teach at James Love for nine years, and then little Allison was born. I felt the call to give up teaching for a year and spend time at home with two-year-old Caitlin and baby Allison. And during that year's hiatus from teaching, Dale and I were dipping into our savings, and we were taking out about $350 a month. Then I spotted an advertisement for being the director at Aldersgate United Methodist Preschool, and the Lord was looking after me again. The monthly paycheck was a big old whopping $385. And after taxes, it ended up being about the equivalent to what we were taking from savings. And once again, I'm working with kids and their families. I spent three years at Aldersgate where I could still be with my girls, but I also used my teaching skills to build that preschool program. Then in September, my fourth year at Aldersgate, I get a call from Dale that just sends me reeling. Carolina Freight was being sold and I needed to return to full-time teaching. I cried and I cried and I cried some more. Caitlin was already at school at Bowling Springs, but Allison was still with me at Aldersgate. In that particular time, there just happened to be a first grade teaching job open at Bowling Springs in September. And once again, Jesus was in control. Because first of all, jobs did not come open at Bowling Springs very often. And one just happened to be in first grade, and in September after the school year had already started. So I sent my resume in, and I basically begged that principal for a job. And here I am 21 years later. I'm retiring from Bowling Springs. I've loved my work at Bowling Springs, where I taught first grade for 12 years. I had two years of kindergarten. Learned a lot there. And I've spent the last seven years working in Title I and supporting kids with their reading and math. I've enjoyed teaching the kids in the community I live in. I've taught many of our church kids, even Preacher Carol's son, Aaron. And you haven't lived until you've gotten to see Preacher Carol come in and rescue a crazy teacher and 24 kids from an escaped gerbil that was running all over the room. Um, throughout my teaching, Jesus has been with me in the classroom. I have prayed for my kids. And I would share about Jesus with my kids in a nonchalant kind of way, like when we were studying butterflies and we would watch as a caterpillar transformed into a butterfly. And I would say things like, doesn't God do the most amazing things? And then during the Christmas holidays, the nativity scene was always under the Christmas tree. And I would share one of my favorite books with the kids, Santa's favorite story. This just happened to be about the birth of Christ. He was always there with me when I was teaching kids right from wrong. He was there when we were learning to forgive others. And he was there when I would learn to apologize to my kids for making a mistake. Jesus was there. Then there was another time Jesus was with me as an educator and it was late on a Friday night. The phone rang and a fellow teacher informed me that a school family had been in a car accident and one of the kids had died. The little sister was in critical condition and their brother was also in the hospital. Well, the child that died had been one of my first graders three years before. And the child that died was in critical condition was one of my first graders at the time. Well, I was in shock. I didn't know what else to do, so I hopped in the car and I headed straight to the hospital. Well, what I realized when I got there was that this family had no church family. They had family around and they had the BSE folks there with them. But I remembered that these kids were faithful attendees to the Good News Club that was sponsored by Beaverdam Church at our school. And so I put in a call to Tammy Bass at Beaverdam. And before long, good, good news leaders from Beaverdam Church were there. Then as the night went on, Marissa, my little first grader, became more and more critical and somebody needed to go with her to Charlotte until her parents could get there because they were dealing with so much in Shelby. So I volunteered and our school social worker drove me to Charlotte. And once I got in Charlotte and the adrenaline settled, I thought, what am I gonna do? And the reality is set in. What am I gonna do till her parents get there? And there was only one answer. So I sat and prayed. 
and I sat by our bedside for the rest of that night until early in the morning. Our school, our church, and the Beaverdam Church rallied around this family. I watched this family sink into deep despair. I watched as they buried, buried a child, and I also watched as they spent weeks in rehab with a little sister. And I watched as they tried to make um, life for their son a new normal. I watched a family grieve, and I was right there with them. But over the years, I watched miracle after miracle unfold with this family. I watched as the mother rededicated her life to Christ. I watched this family become active in a local church. I watched the child that was in critical condition be baptized. And I also watched that same child graduate from high school. I have truly witnessed God's grace. And over the years at Warner Springs Church, I felt guilty for not being a Sunday school teacher. But instead, I've been a student at our church, and I've been in classes with wonderful Bible teachers, Teresa Heffelfinger, Ed and Sybil Beeson, Dr. Partain, Debbie Weiss, Sandy Quattlebaum, Dr. Cullinan, and many others. I've chaperoned youth trips, and I've been a student on those trips as well, and I would get as much out of the weekly spiritual messages as the kids did. Then in preparing to write this message, I looked back through letters that I'd received from parents, kids, and coworkers, just, just to get myself on going on this topic of being called to teach. And one particular note included a Bible verse from Ecclesiastes 5. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, that is indeed a gift from God. The person who does that will not need to look back with sorrow on his past, for God gives them joy. I never once wavered in this career choice. I never thought of it, and I desire to change careers. And I'm thankful that I got to spend 34 years in education. Teaching is my calling. I have made mistakes all along the way. And with God's grace, I've made it to retirement. I've spent many hours at the school working, just trying to get it right, and at the same time, ignoring my family. But they seem to know it's what I needed to do. And maybe just a little they've forgiven me for the countless hours I thought I needed to be at school. And lately I often get asked, how many years do you have left? And honest, I have to stop and think every time because I'm leaving one calling for another. I'm excited for this next chapter in my life. I get to be little Cooper's teacher, our new grandbaby. Then while in the process of cleaning out my classroom, and I've done a little bit along the way so it's not so traumatic at the end, there are some things that I'm gonna to wait to take down last, and there are quotes on the wall that remind me daily of where I am and why I'm there. There's this big fat cat on the poster saying, smile, it gives your face something to do. And that, that poster's been around for 34 years. And there's a quote by educator Larry Bell, on your worst day on the job, you are still some child's best hope. And then I'm my favorite. Teach us what you do makes a difference as it does. And I feel like that's what I've been called to be, as a difference maker. I wanted to make a difference in the life of a child, and I want them to remember what I taught them ac academically, but most importantly, that I taught them to be somebody. Thank you. Amen, Rhonda. I, I would agree with her. I was surprised that when I called her, I asked her, she responded so quickly. And uh, I didn't know what type of response I was going to get. But Rhonda, thank you for sharing that. And I know it's not always easy uh, to do that. But what Rhonda didn't tell you, and I didn't tell you before she stood up, is that she was Teacher of the Year this year at Bowling Springs Elementary School. And so that is a great accomplishment. And also, after 34 years, and she alluded to that, 34 years in the classroom, uh, she is retiring for a new uh, classroom uh, with, with her grandson. But I hope you hear the overarching message from, from the scripture that was read, my brief comments, what Rhonda has shared is that God is at work in us. And think about this, what it would look like for Boiling Springs Baptist Church, what it would look like for our community if all of us did our work, whatever that work may be, as if we were called from God, as if God was speaking to us and then we could respond like Samuel, here I am, your servant is listening. You know, sometimes it takes someone else to help us discern God's call. I reference J.B. Case and Raymond Smith. Rhonda mentioned Sonia Jones and learning from her and Faye Burton. 
You could name people in your life who have been instrumental uh, in influencing you along your path, whether it was your vocation or whether it was just maybe some needed direction uh, in your life. It was certainly that way for Samuel. Samuel didn't recognize who was speaking to him until Eli guided him, until he caught on and told Samuel it was the voice of God. At times, God's path for our life can be hard to discern. But I'm thankful that we have Eli's for each of our Samuels. Amen? Samuel is out there listening with us and helping us to hear. By listening to God in the midst of community, we can discern together what God may be saying to each of us, how he is moving in our midst. Wouldn't it be great in the coming months if some from Boiling Springs Baptist Church would say, you know what, and they start naming off names of people who maybe they didn't realize it, but along the way they were instrumental. Maybe a Sunday school teacher, a choir director, a minister, different people who have helped them to hear God's voice along the way and try to discern their path for life. Let me ask you as we begin to close this morning, how might God be calling you today? He reached out to the young boy Samuel and said, Samuel, Samuel. It was Eli that helped him discern. Next time you hear this voice, after the third time, he said, next time you hear this voice say, speak for your servant is listening. How might God be calling you today and what might he be saying to you today? Is he reaching out and calling to you for salvation, to come to know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Is he, re- is he reaching out to you for a recommitment? Maybe he's reaching out to you to just simply regain your focus. Like Alan said, maybe there's all the distractions and all the voices that we hear from the world, but maybe you haven't been spending time listening to the one true voice that can give you that sense of direction and that can guide you in the path that he would have for you. God is at work all around us and God is calling us to a closer walk with him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the way that you work and move in our lives. I'm grateful for the fact that Rhonda responded to your call, a call that she heard at a very young age to be a teacher. And Lord, as a result of that, she's been able to help countless families in ways that she probably can't even imagine, in ways that she's unaware for the ways that she helped these children in the midst of crisis and these families in the midst of crisis. Lord, we thank you. As we think about what that would look like for each of us as a congregation, if we did what we did is unto you in everything we do with our work, whether it's a business owner or the farmer or the nurse or the teacher or the the leader or the one simply answering a phone or, or whatever it may be, if we do our work is unto you, God, we are and can be surprised by what you allow to happen and what you allow for us to do, the ways that you move through us. And so, Father, speak to us this morning. Lord, help us to listen so that we may truly respond to that call that you have on our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to invite you to stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 71. What a tremendous hymn to close out as we talk about God's call and hearing and listening to God's call in our lives. Let's stand and sing, Be Thou My Vision.
God, we're grateful for your presence in our lives. Remind us that you are working and calling us. Help us to listen to the things that you're speaking to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.